Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're welcoming back J.T. Smith, a serial entrepreneur and creator of The Game Crafter, an American board game manufacturer that focuses on short-run production. It's become the solution for game developers entering the market. J.T., welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Really, uh, it's great to be back, actually. It is fantastic having you back. It was just a matter of time, man. You guys have got so much going on that uh, it, was, it was a no-brainer. So for people, just kind of a little quick housekeeping, people who maybe don't know the Game Crafter, we are going to give a, a brief overview here at the beginning, um, but I would encourage any of you to go back to episode 29 as uh, when we last uh, talked to JT, we went in super deep into the Game Crafter and into prototyping and how prototyping works. And for kind of budding entrepreneurs who are looking to get into the industry for the first time, we spent a lot of time going deep on that. So we check did. it out, episode 29. Uh, we're going to add that in the show notes, but simply if you just scroll down in uh, either on the boardgamebinge.com website, you'll find it, or even on the YouTube channel, scroll down episode 29. 60-some episodes. You've got a lot going on, man. That's crazy. <laughs> We got a lot going on. Two episodes a week, Mondays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 30-minute format. Check it out. Um, Definitely. JT, uh, maybe start off for people who don't know who you are, and I know a lot of people do know who you are, but for those who don't, uh, what is the Game Crafter? Explain that to us. Sure. The Game Crafter is a print-on-demand solution for making board games. So you basically design a game, uh, and once you have your game designed, you can upload artwork to our website, pick out uh, components. We've got like pawns and dice and that sort of thing, over 3,000 of those that you can pick from. Um, and we even make custom components these days too. So you can uh, basically design your game and you only have to order one copy at a time. So unlike, you know, if you go uh, print in China or India or somewhere like that, you'll have to order 2000 copies of your game. Uh, so with us, you only have to order one, you get it in a week or two in the mail. Uh, and it's, it's just really a simple way uh, to work around game manufacturing. In addition, we also will do short runs of games. So if you're doing a crowdfunding campaign and you only want to do 100 copies or 500 copies rather than the you know, two, 3,000, we can help you with that. Or if you need to send out 10 copies to various reviewers for some kind of a campaign that you're working on, we can do that. So that's what the Game Crafter is all about. And I can say uh, from personal experience, I've used the Game Crafter. And um, in, in the context of how I used it, it was for prototyping. So mm -hmm. uh, many people at the show know that I recently did a Kickstarter uh, for Nutty Squirrels of the Oakwood Forest. That game started uh, with my prototypes that I got through the Game Crafter. And I remember back uh, when we were in episode 29, we were talking about it. And I remember at the time I said I was, I was, I was shocked at the quality uh, that came through, like I expected with short run or even a prototyping company, it'd be something kind of quickly done on a printer, or maybe, you know, they, they do some of the work for you, maybe make it thicker cardstock or cut it out for you. But this stuff came back as like, like game ready components. Like this is like a game you could sell, right? And you guys do sell, right? A lot of people do actually sell games yeah. off your actual site, don't they? Oh yeah. We sell over a hundred thousand games a year, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's uh, our goal is to make what we call shelf-worthy games. These are things. So when you get your game, your copy in the mail, it should look like it came off the shelf at any yeah. game store anywhere in the world. 
Yeah. The one thing I, I noticed too is, uh, and I know I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but sure. the uh, you've got this kind of the the different kind of standardized box sizes. So you got, I think it's called the stout box, right? The short stout box. The My favorite. Box. Yep. It is very, very close to the size of box I use for my Queen of Scots game, uh, card game. And I started thinking about that. I was like, I should probably, when I do a reprint of that, actually size it to your box size since it's so close. And then when I'm doing subsequent games, the family could all kind of be in the same box size, right? If I do right, a small yeah. game, it's a standard box size. It would also make prototyping and things like that much easier. So if I want to create view, uh, reviewer copies, the box size is going to actually match the finished kind of box size that we do. So, right. You're not alone in that. Lots yeah. of people actually use our component, whether it be box sizes or card sizes or whatever, they'll use the sizes we create as their standard, even when they go to long run print, because that means they can make little expansions or they can make, uh, you know, mark um, promo copies, things like that, that will all fit together and it all, you know, works basically. So, uh, yeah, Obviously. it's great. Have you seen this industry change over the past year? We've had a lot of like with COVID, obviously, you know, a lot of the conventions and so forth have now gone either digital or not happened at all. Yeah. Um, people are not doing the same, um, you know, in-person playing. I know, especially south of the border in the States, uh, people are starting yeah. to get back to life and starting to get back to kind of meeting up and, and so forth. But we've got a year, year and a half of any of that. Yeah. How have you seen this impact your business and, um, and, and how have you guys maybe shifted your business to accommodate? Right. Well, I mean, in the early days, it was it was rough. We we were yeah. shut down for two months uh, by oh, wow. government mandate. Uh, so yeah, that was that was horrifying. But we we got back after the two months, and uh, business actually just kept chugging along. It was I was scared. I was figuring. So in my personal situation, I don't yeah. know how your situation is at home, but in my personal situation, like you, I I didn't go out and see a lot of people and that sort of thing. So the only person in my house is my wife, and she does not play board games. So yeah. I was done. There was no gaming for me for a year. Um, and so I was afraid that the world was like that. And therefore, nobody was going to be, you know, buying games from us or anywhere else for that matter. But that wasn't the case because a lot of people actually played more board games because they they have a family that plays board games together or they're hanging out with friends that were in their social circle, their bubble, you know, during this whole thing. And so it uh, it actually worked out well for us. We we actually were on a steady steady growth curve this the same way we are as any other year. Yeah. Uh, so that worked out well for us. The one thing we have seen kind of around the industry, obviously you mentioned, you know, there are no conventions right now, so that is a big deal because that's how we interact with our fans. That's how a lot of publishers interact with their fans. I'm sure you do that too when you go to conventions. Yeah. You're you know showing them your games and getting to see their reactions is always a great thing, but um, you know, without that, people have had to get creative. So there's a lot more tabletop simulator going on, a lot more uh, stuff like this with Zoom going on. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's there's some logistical things that I've seen. You know, like yeah. uh, it's there. It's actually hard to import stuff uh, from China right now. Um, not because uh, not because there's a quarantine or anything like that. It's because things are so backlogged from before. Um, that it's it's harder to get materials to make stuff. There's less room on the shipping containers. There's more overloading at the ports. Uh, and all of those things, that whole thing is a giant chain reaction that is causing everything to increase in price. So I would, wouldn't be surprised at all to see anywhere from a 20 to 50% increase in the price of games over the next year 
Uh, Like I I could easily see a $50 game becoming a 60 or $65 game uh, on the shelf at your board game uh, retailer because yeah, sir, I think that taxes is uh, hitting that as well. It's kind of almost like this uh, smorgasbord of just bad stuff happening to the industry, right? So right. you've got yeah. like COVID, so people can't meet up. You got conventions being canceled. You got shipping rates now starting to skyrocket around the right. world. Again, you're saying, you know, you've, you've got backup, so it's tough to get stuff uh, out of the country. And again, all these things are linked, so it's a cascading effect. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I kind of look at this industry and then they get the VAT taxes, which in Europe changed their entire model. We talked about this on the yep. last uh, episode we had, and uh, it is it is throwing a wrench into everything. Everyone's really kind of relooking the model. Mm-hmm. Um, when I reflect kind of back on this past year, though, I think about, you know, prototyping. I almost wonder if people who had, you know, were under lockdown or, you know, maybe their jobs even said, hey, you know, either laid off or, you know, hey, you got to work from home and, Mm-hmm. You know, you have all this extra time where maybe you were commuting in the past and now you've got two hours extra a day and so forth. I almost started wondering if people started actually investing that time more into actually creating their games and prototyping and so forth on one hand. Very well. And then the other thing you're saying was with the um, uh, tabletop simulator, right? So mm-hmm. you see a lot more people using tabletop simulator for uh, prototyping mm-hmm. and to try to get that prototype right because your iteration process is much, much faster, much more efficient and much cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost wondering... Are you seeing on your end now an increase in the quality of the uh, the games or prototypes people are having done uh, with you because they've already now gone through this iterative process uh, in a digital format where maybe in the past they wouldn't have. They've kind of put their idea, idea together and would send it to you where now they have kind of a step in between. Are you seeing like an improvement in quality at all or? So I, I can only comment it on one side of that coin. Uh, so I, I don't know that the games themselves are better because I've only in the last two weeks started playing board games again. Like I'm vaccinated. My friends are finally vaccinated. So I really haven't played that many games until just recently. Yeah. Um, but I can say like that the design, the, though, or? The design yeah. like the how things are laid out, how things are illustrated, everything, the, everything looks really tight now. Yeah. Um, so the stuff that's coming through, it's amazing what people are. Uh, a lot of times you'll see kind of really simple prototypes that, you know, you just have some game icons art and, or, you know, icons and some lettering. And it's like black and white prototypes. Essentially, we used to see a lot of that. Yeah. We're seeing a lot less of that. And it's like, full illustrations, full graphic design, nice typography. Like it, it's tight on even prototypes. So that's nice to see. So from that side, I can comment, yes, it's improved. <laughs> now you guys haven't stopped. Like you've actually been continuing to adjust your business model and add new services into it. And I, I want to talk to you about a few of them. Okay. One, I think I actually probed last time we were talking uh, and then you said, well, there's something I'm kind of working on. And you didn't give me a lot of details at the time. Maybe you can give me more details now, but it was the uh, component studio software that you're working on. Can you talk a little bit about what that, what, what's that all about? Yeah. So component studio, imagine that you had uh, a graphic editor like Photoshop and a spreadsheet like Excel, and you push them into one program. That's what component studio is. And so what it, what that means is you use the Photoshop like interface to design one card for your game or one tile for your game or one token, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the spreadsheet element of that automatically designs the other hundred for you in a snap oh. of your finger. So it allows you to create and generate your prototypes very quickly. Uh, and so uh, the other thing that happens is you, let's say you need to edit something. 
you make one edit, one place in one card, and all hundred cards are updated instantly. It also will generate, it'll export to, you know, to the game crafter, of course, but also to uh, just regular files or to tabletop simulator to make it easier for prototyping that way, uh, or to PDFs that you can give out like as print and plays. Um, so uh, it's just a it's just a tool that makes it really easy to design your your game components uh, yeah. very quickly, and I've been working on version two of that, which is hopefully going to come out later this year. It is a complete ground up rewrite of it, adding in basically every idea anybody has ever asked for for Component Studio. Um, we so we had at the beginning of this process, yeah. we had 600 ideas in the idea system for Component Studio. We're down to 200 because I've already implemented 400 of the ideas. So, wow, uh, it, it almost is, sounds yeah. like there's a little bit of like InDesign kind of uh, how you can like make a change and it can impact multiple pages at the same time. Yeah, like you have a global components to it, I guess so you can set like a global component that hits all the elements, I guess. Is that how that works? That is correct. Uh, and it's, um, it, it will InDesign has a thing called data merge, if you've played with that, which does something similar to this, but this is so much more advanced than anything you can do in InDesign or Illustrator or any of those. In fact, I, I don't, I don't disparage those because I still use all of those tools in addition to Component Studio. It's a completely, don't think of it as, um, you know, just another hammer. It's now it's an ax or something beyond the other tools that you already had. Um, but yes, it's you lay out a card and then you can plug in variables into all these different things. And those variables could be images or icons. They could be fonts. They could be colors. They can be shapes and sizes of things. And so your every card can be positioned just a slightly differently to look how it needs to look, but it's all data driven. So it makes it very easy to make these kind of changes to things. And you can make just beautiful designs in like an hour, you can have an entire deck of cards designed, That's which awesome. is not something you can do in Photoshop or Illustrator InDesign. <laughs> so and it's gotta be, I guess, helpful for people who are maybe not designers, maybe don't even have access to, to design software, right? Yeah, like yeah. graphic designers, I mean. So right. this is, sounds like it'd be a tool that they could use online. Yep, They're it's all web-based. Yeah, and buy this expensive software. They just use what's built into the game crafter and they can uh, create their game. I know myself in in doing, um, you know, various sites where I've, uh, you know, putting print files and so forth together. It's a pain when you have to say, okay, now do six of this card and you have to actually repeat the six cards. And then I'm going to do right. 12 and I'm going to repeat the 12 of these cards. So being able to just say, here's the image times it by six at the click of a button, I can uh, see how that'd be pretty attractive to some people. It, um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. saves so much time. I can't, <laughs> like, you really have to try it. And there's a free trial. It, it does cost, actually. It's yep. uh, it's uh, $10 a month, uh, but you can, it's month to month. There's no contract or anything. And we offer, you know, discounts on it all the time. So you can get it for $5 or whatever. And there's a, a free trial. I recommend going try it try it with a free trial, you'll instantly see why it's better. Um, yeah. And especially once you see Component Studio 2, it, like, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I, 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 I feel weird to tooting my own horn about this, but this is a tool that I built for me originally. It was oh, yeah. like my own tool just for making my own game designs. And uh, somebody convinced me to actually make it so that it would work for everybody so that, you know, people could use it once they saw what I was doing with it. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I was shocked just how many people needed something like this. So it, can it's this cool. put print files for you then to use with even other printers if you wanted to, or. Uh, yeah, technically it could. Uh, 
it, it will output a PDF or a CMYK okay. PDF. So you yep. could send it to another printer. Uh, generally speaking, when you get to that though, a lot of printers require these days to have really specific uh, PDF tweaking settings. There's like, PD, I don't know if you know the PDF specification, but it is crazy all the little details that you can put yep. in from like InDesign or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't go heavy into that in, in here because when you get to that level, you really need like InDesign or something along those lines. Sure. Um, this is for that rapid prototyping phase mostly. Um, yeah. But yes, there are some people that have used it directly with other printers, you know, just because it does export to a, P, uh, a CMYK PDF and they can just send it off to whoever. And, and plenty of people have done that. Another thing I like about the Game Crafter, and I know this has been there since the beginning, but I, I find it handy is that once you create your account, which is free to create an account with the Game yep. Crafter, mm -hmm. um, and you start working on a game, your files are always there. So you save like, so I've got one on there right now that's kind of in, in progress, mm -hmm. right? I might come back to it a month from now. I might come back to it three months from now, but I know the files are going to be there when I come back to it. So if someone is like, like I am, where you have tons of ideas for games in your head and you're working on one game and all of a sudden an idea pops in your head for another game where it's like, oh, I should do this other game while you're thinking this one, you can actually go plant the seeds create a separate uh, file or a separate kind of a folder in the game crafter and uh, mm -hmm. then park it and come back to it later on, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Want, and you can do talk... that in component studio too. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about your three, your new 3d box tool. This thing is crazy. Thing is so slick. <laughs> I, I'm going to share my screen so people can see it. Okay. I can't do the 3d um, spinning around effect because uh, I don't have my graphics uploaded, but oh, what okay. they can see is they can see the 3d box from my perspective. Talk about why you created this first and then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. Sure. Uh, so unlike a card or a game board, uh, those kind of those lay flat. So it makes it fairly easy for people to visualize how the graphic goes on that component, but boxes are 3d. So you're creating a 2d image that has to be wrapped around a three-dimensional object. And that gets really complicated to think about in your brain, like just how conceptualize how it's gonna look. And so a lot of people, that's where they'll make mistakes is on the box. They, they, they forget to do bleed or they don't take into account that, you know, this is gonna wrap around a corner. And so you won't be able to read the text cause it's wrapped around the corner, yep. you know, things like that. Glue and so- and stuff, yep. Yeah, so we, um, we built this tool to make it easy for you to uh, to v to see this box before you've even printed it, so you're not wasting money printing a box that isn't going to work for you. Uh, and you can even, you know, I'm sure you'll show it, but you can even open up the box, uh, you know, like so you can look inside what the box is going to look like. You can spin it around 360 degrees, um, and we even built in a little tool to simulate drift on the box. So drift is when a print and a cut don't line up perfectly, and nothing ever mm. does in in the real world nothing is ever perfect. So <laughs> dispel that from your mind, no matter what company you print with, nothing is ever perfect. So there's always going to be a little bit of movement on things. So you get to simulate that with, uh, with the tool, you can show a little bit of drift. And, uh, and so it helps people visualize uh, and, and what their thing is going to look like with and not waste money printing. But once we created it, uh, we realized that there was a whole other use for it. Uh, which is what a lot of people are doing. Uh, they're creating screenshots of their yep. of their box, essentially. So they've got a pretty 3D view of their thing that they can share on social media or on their campaign pages or wherever. Yeah. So 
That's yeah. a great, great, great tool. I mean, creating, um, you know, I'll use Photoshop to do three-dimensional versions of my boxes just by cutting and skewing, distorting. Right. Um, but something like this where you can upload the artwork and it creates it for you. And then with a click of a button, you can rotate that box. Um, that is super cool. And get it right to the exact angle you want it and then screen grab it and then use that for, even if you're doing like a spec sheet. Right. Yeah. So say you're doing a spec sheet, a sell sheet. Yeah. Uh, you need to upload an image to uh, Board Game Geek, like yeah. the, the, the Amazon. So you're going to sell an app, like anywhere yeah. you need to have a 3D image of your box, which is pretty much everywhere. Right. Um, you can use that tool to do that. And it looks really good. And, and, it's, and it's, it's super professional, which I think is uh, yeah. awesome. Like, it was it, such it, a happy accident when that yeah. happened. Like I, it didn't even occur to me that people would do that <laughs> when we were designing it. So it's, it's awesome that it has extra uses beyond what we designed it for. That's cool. Let's talk about these um, acrylic shapes that you've got. So you've got these new, um, I guess you've had kind of like acrylic before, but now you got like the transparent, you can print on transparent acrylic. You can create tiles. You can create um, like standees. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that as well? Or sure. So basically, um, we've had the acrylic shapes for a while, different colors and that sort of thing. We we and this is so that you can make your own game pieces. That's the yeah. whole idea. Like we have game pieces in our library, three thousand of them. But a lot of times, you know, you'll come up with a game about. I don't know, polka dotted zebras instead of striped zebras. So you need your own custom zebras, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you can design those using the game crafter through our through our acrylic shapes. The but the new ones that we came out with are are clear and uh, they're only printed on one side. But because they're clear, we can actually print for the opposite side and then print on top of that. So you have printing on both sides. Oh, but what that does, crazy. what that does is it makes it so you can have this big sheet of acrylic that's you know like. 10 and a half by eight and a half inches. Like it's a big sheet yeah. and um, it's printed on both sides, even though we only printed it on one side, but by, by only printing it on one side, it makes the registration better and it makes the whole process cheaper. So you can actually have this giant sheet of acrylic with dozens of, you know, little miniatures on there or whatever yeah. it is that you need. And it's relatively inexpensive to produce these. It's like $13 to make as many little pieces as you need. So how do you, uh, for, do you, for, do you yeah. just, I'm trying to get my head around this. So when you print it, do you then what print white on top of what you just printed and then you print again? Yeah. Yeah. So we, yep. We print color so that it shows yeah. through to the other side. Then we print a white layer and then we print again with a new color layer so that you're seeing on both sides, so three even passes. though we only printed on one. That's crazy. The, the standees on your website look amazing. So, you know, I'm people that know me know that I'm not a fan of standees. I hate standees. But I hate the standees where you have a little plastic base and you've got like a paper or, or, or cardboard kind of insert because I think they right. look cheap. Yeah. These standees uh, look, great, look right? really premium and really yeah. high end. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked actually at how, how good they look. And so someone can create um, pieces that look really, really high end, uh, yeah. fairly low cost right through your site. Yeah. Full color. That's crazy. Uh, and yeah, 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 you can make, I've seen crazy things too, where people slot them together and make like a big dragon out of, out of basically the flat acrylic, but it looks three-dimensional when it's all put together. So you can do, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. I, I've decided that like on my new games, as I'm designing them, I'm finally designing games again too. That's crazy. Cause I, a year without it, but, <laughs> um, 
and all my new games, I'm using the the acrylic because it's better than cardboard. Like any place where I would use cardboard, I'm using acrylic now because it creates this cooler effect. So you have a greater table presence. It's just awesome. And people can do printed meeples for you guys as well, right? So if they don't want to do acrylic, they want to do meeples, they can print their meeples as well. Yep. We can print on meeples. We can print dice. Um, so uh, yeah, you can make all kinds of different, you know, whatever game components you might need for your game, you can make them custom now. So you don't have to rely on our library of stuff. That's crazy. I need to give a shout out to some of the people that are listening here. So we got JD Brown, we got George, we got uh, our family plays game just joined. Awesome. Hello everyone. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Glad you're joining us live. If you have any questions for JT type in the chat box, we'll try to do our best to, uh, to get to them all. Um, now you've also introduced this, um, uh, analytics, uh, aspect to your uh, business as well uh, for your users. How does that work? Yeah. So, um, basically a lot of people want to be able to, we've always, we've always, uh, shown things like uh, how many people hit your page or how many, uh, sales you have, or, you know, those kinds of things, some basic tracking, but what we haven't done is like trends over time. How many people visited your page on Tuesday and what URL did they come from and what web browser were they using and all that kind of stuff. That's really beyond, you know, us as a game company, we, we don't want to get into writing analytics software. It's not sure. our thing. Uh, so we decided to work with a company, uh, an external company to do this. Uh, and the problem is there's this thing called GDPR, which a lot of you have probably seen a lot more emails from companies saying they changed their privacy policy. That's yeah. because of GDPR. Uh, well, the deal is that if we share data with a third party, uh, that there's all kinds of legal implications for us as a company uh, because of that. So we needed to figure out a way to do analytics without sharing data. And that's where this company called Goat Counter comes in. It's a crazy name, but they make uh, an analytics package that we can plug into our system. And it allows you to track all of those things I just said, like what country are people coming from and what keywords did they search you for and what, you know, what page linked to you and all that kind of stuff. But it allows you to track better your marketing efforts within mm -hmm. our website so that you can see, you know, okay, I had this blog post over here. Did that generate any leads, you know, to actually getting sales? And you can see that kind of stuff now in this in the site because of this. So that's what the analytics is all about. That's crazy. Now you had also started, um, I think it was in 2014, uh, you created a game called The Captain is Dead. Indeed. And uh, something pretty special has just happened recently. Let's, uh, get, can you, can you talk about what just happened with that game? Yeah. Uh, so let me briefly tell people what The Cabin is Dead is. Yeah. It's a, it's a co-op uh, board game for two to six players or two, seven players. Basically, uh, the idea is that you are uh, the crew on, you know, like a Star Trek style ship and everything has gone to hell, including the captain is dead. And so now you are working together as a team to get yourself out of whatever the situation is. And in the first episode of that game, the situation is that uh, your engines are offline and the aliens are attacking you and you need to get the engines online. Well, anyway, uh, been selling that game uh, both on the Game Crafter and through AEG for the last, uh, you know, eight years or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it went it, a video game version is now available as of January. Uh, it is no longer just a board game. It is also now a video game. And that is so cool to see that, you know, to see your world get built into something new. Uh, so I, I'm super pumped about it. And they can find that on Steam, right? 
Yeah, it's on Steam. It's on uh, uh, the Google Play Store. It's on uh, iOS uh, App Store. And oh, I so you think... can actually do it on your phone and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think cool. it's going to come to good old games at some point as well, GOG.com. That's awesome. I'm just showing the uh, the stream, uh, uh, the Steam uh, page right now for people okay. who are watching live. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. I'll have to yeah. actually check that out on my phone, yeah. It's amazing to see somebody take your work and turn it into something like they're so on the board game, there are no voices for anything. So it's interesting to hear what the characters sound like, right? You know, because they did voiceover work for every character in the game. And I, oh, that's what that character sounds like. I didn't I didn't come up with any of that. So it's really cool to to see that kind of expansion as, as things go on. And it's a fun game. So please check it out. So What's kind of next for the, like you guys are constantly uh, adding on new services and so forth for your, for your members. And as I kind of look at this thing, continuing to build out, is there any plans to at some point kind of almost demolish the whole thing and, and, and replace it with almost like a new kind of operating software and so forth for, or, or we just keep adding on to it kind of how, what's your plans for the future with this? Yeah. Well, we have com- done a complete wholesale rewrite of everything in the past. I don't mm-hmm. see that happening now. Instead, what we're doing is evolving everything. So last year, we completely redid the face of the website. It's all all new now. Um, and so we'll probably continue to evolve, uh, evolve everything as things go on. So like we're doing a lot more doing bulk now. And we've got some pretty cool announcements on the horizon for that, which I can't share uh, yet, yet, but, you know, <laughs> there's some pretty cool stuff, but, um, you know, like our, our, our latest thing that that'll be coming out very soon is we're going to be making clear, transparent cards. So you can actually make cards out of plastic and have them overlay on top of each other. So you can make game mechanics that actually make multiple cards come together. Uh, sort of like gloom. Um, if you've ever seen that from Atlas games, or, uh, if you've seen, um, AEG has a number of games and I'm forgetting the names of them off the top of my head right now because I'm on the spot, of course. Uh, But there's a whole lot of games out there that use uh, plastic cards to make these kind of composable games. And so that's the thing we're working on right now. And so that'll be out uh, probably by the end of the month here. I totally forgot about that. You mentioned it, but I did actually have it on my screen. So I I just popped up so people can see what it looks like. It looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And there's so many different ways to use those, right? Whether it be... I don't know, through tiles on, on, on the board, actual cards um, that you're playing with. Or um, if I look at like a game like Canvas, right, mm-hmm. where they took it to the next level with the kind of whole transparent cards. And I think really, uh, you know, no limits are, it's just your creativity is the only limit out there, right? Whatever you right. can think about. I'm sure somebody's going to come up with an idea that no one's thought of yet yeah. uh, to use those type of cards. But I think they're absolutely awesome. Right. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, there's, things that where you could do something crazy like maybe you're just going to make a game that works in your pool right they're plastic they're not going to nothing water can't hurt them so maybe you're just going to make the next board game that works in a pool or even camping i find you go camping we always bring our games (laughs) camping and they just get trashed right Right. because you're outside a little bit of moisture gets into the cards and the board and it's just a disaster but if you can make a game that's predominantly plastic pieces and again be environmentally conscious to make sure you bring them back with you after camping exactly it's a great way for the kids to have fun and uh and not uh, demolish your game in the same uh, the same breath Indeed. um on a personal note i just want to say uh, you've been amazing in, in offering people advice in in helping people in the community 
Um, I reached out to you during my last campaign on something that had absolutely nothing to do with your services. It was on 3D printing. And I had uh, reached out to J, uh, JT and said, hey, you know, I'm trying to find a solution for printing my, my minis for people that want to do the, you know, the out-home print and play. What do you suggest? And like he got back to me in less than five minutes with a whole laundry list of, okay, try this site, try this site, try this site. Hey, if they're going to do it international, go to this site. It'll give you all different places international. They could go by postal code and so forth. It was amazing. And I really, really appreciated uh, you doing that because you didn't have to. It had absolutely nothing to do with the game crafter but you're still willing to uh to help and uh when somebody reached out so i want to personally thank you for that i think that's you're, you're uh, completely awesome and it's hopefully i didn't overwhelm <laughs> no 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 it was Sometimes great more, that. <laughs> more was actually more in that case so i do uh, i do appreciate it Good. jt it's been awesome talking with you thank you so much for coming on our podcast again we'll get you back for another round and uh maybe we'll give another half a year we'll get you back and we'll talk about whatever it is you're working on at that point awesome, awesome. and uh and thanks again for all you've done for this community you take thank care. you for having me all right, cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.